You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Kraken fans? Welcome to episode 34, a.k.a. Austin Matthews, of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host of the pod, Tyler Bell, coming from the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And once again, just like always, joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. Man, how are you doing today, buddy? Oh, not too bad, man. Just trying to stay cool, you know, in our first heat wave of the season. How are you doing? Heat wave, bro. I haven't even hit 18 degrees out west yet. Well, we're kind of working on that this week. But uh, yeah, that's insane. You're going through a heat wave. I can't even get enough sun to give me a sunburn yet. So uh, kind of complete opposite situations right now, eh? Yeah, they basically told us for yesterday and today, like, don't go outside unless you have to. Wow. That is ridiculous. But man, other than that, I'm doing pretty good. Just getting done an eight, eight day work bender. So, uh, you know, finally have a couple days off coming up and what better way to celebrate that than to watch some third round of the NHL playoffs tonight when the Edmonton Oilers take on the Colorado Avalanche. And I am so fucking amped up for this series, man. I cannot wait to see all these big guns going at it. Man, this is going to be the closest we're probably going to see to the old 80s hockey where it's just goal, 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 goal. Like, let's go. I am here for it. I want more of that game one Edmonton-Calgary vibes. Dude, I know. That was insane. Uh, should we jump right into some uh, playoff talk, I guess, right off the uh, the top here and, you know, go over those second-round matchups because uh, it was a pretty exciting second round and – there were some pretty shocking things as well that happened, didn't, wasn't there? Yeah, I mean, there was definitely a couple that neither of us had moving on that made it through, and uh, one of them would be Edmonton there. Neither of us picked them to pass Calgary, but they sure showed us up, right? Yeah, and, and it's funny you say that because every game I was cheering Edmonton on so much. Um, I really wanted to see Edmonton move on. I thought Calgary would... Uh, would end up taking that series but Oilers fucking smoke the flames in five games and honestly that series was everything you could ask for um it's just too bad it wasn't 30 games long because that was some amazing hockey and historical hockey that we got to see yeah that was freaking awesome I mean 
was kind of funny to watch Calgary just disappear too in round two. They're like, wait, what the fuck got us here? I don't, I don't remember yeah. how we play hockey in Calgary. Yeah, dude, it was weird to see that team uh, sort of collapse and almost stop playing their systems. But, uh, you know, apparently they were dealing with uh, a couple pretty heavy injuries on that team, especially on that back end. Like what, Chris Tanev separated his shoulder. Um, Zadorov had three broken ribs. Uh, they, they were beat up a little bit, but, uh, you know, that's still no excuses for the guys up front as well that uh, just kind of disappeared a bit there. Yeah, they didn't really have a whole lot of offense there. I mean, how do you go three for 17 on the power play, right? Like, you got to get something going. That's not going to move you on. No, and like, like that series was just fucking unbelievable. Like that first game, sitting there watching Calgary score, what was it, three goals in the first minute 17 or something, It's it felt like. like it was just insane. They were up 3 nothing so early on, and man, the – the place was just exploding. I thought, holy shit, you know, how is Edmonton going to recover from this? And then they have this huge pushback in game one, tie the game up, end up still losing at what, nine to six? You know, yeah. Brady Kachuk's in the crowd just slogging beers and just going crazy. He's got two cans in his back pockets. And uh, man, it, it was just wild. And then, you know, all of a sudden Edmonton just comes back. They win game two and and just take off from there and they don't look back at all no after they dropped the first one i mean they just pulled the all the imaginary sweep out like we're just gonna pretend the first game didn't happen but the next four are all edmonton baby we are just gonna steamroll you like with all their d being hurt there they couldn't possibly keep up with mcdavid and it was, you could see dry getting a little better as the series went on too everyone knows he's hurt something with his leg probably his ankle like it was just tough yeah. shit for calgary and we talked about that last pod, like what's Dreisaitl going to do? And oh, and then he just, you know, hey, I'm just going to put up the third most amount of points ever in one series. You know, what was, I think first was 19 and seven games and then Gretz had 18 points in six games and then Dreisaitl 17 points in five games. How ridiculous is that? If that series went any longer, he would literally have the record for most points in a series ever and basically doing it on one leg, apparently. So um, j just one of the most wild series I think I've ever seen in my life, to be honest. Yeah, like I feel like Dreisaitl is not getting talked about enough. Like he did set the record for most assists in a series ever, and he only needed five games. He got 15 assists. That's crazy. What people yeah, are understanding is insane. if you only count Dreisaitl's assists against Calgary, he's still second in playoffs in points. Like, what? Yeah, that's insane. Assists in one series, and we're already halfway through the Stanley Cup playoffs already. Just mind-blowing. And then, you know, we've we seen that crazy, crazy game five as, as well, right? Where, uh, what, there was... Four goals scored in 71 seconds at beating the previous record for like the fastest four goals by 22 seconds. Um, just absolutely wild. And then, of course, a bit of controversy, too, on, uh, you know, that late goal by Calgary that ended up not counting. Give me your thoughts on that one, man. Yeah, I mean, kicking it in every I think what BXS said was right, like. He absolutely was trying to make sure the puck goes in the net and he's just trying to make it look like it's just a stopping motion. Everyone that's ever played something competitively 
knows that. Like he's trying to finish it. But if he'd have just protected the puck, I think it was already going through. I know everyone's taught all the way growing up, like protected it with his feet and just boxed out the D there and let it go in. But I know everyone's taught all the way going up, like it's not in till it's in, right? So I'm sure that was going through his mind. Just get it in. So just kind of shitty balance. It didn't go their way. Like I felt like that call really could have gone either way. But I do think it's no goal. Yeah, I agree. And uh, you did kind of cut out a bit there at the start of your explanation. But um, honestly, man, I agree exactly with Bexit too on the situation. And uh, it's funny because I've heard all these arguments like, oh, you know, it wasn't a kick. And you, you could tell what his intentions were on that play. And same thing, man. If he would have just let that puck go, that would have counted. It would have went in. But ever so slightly, you just seen that he made the attempt to make sure his skate was going towards that puck to make sure it was going into the net. And you got to remember, you know, a kick in hockey is a lot different than uh, a regular kick. No one's kicking with their toe, right? If you're kicking at a puck, it's with the inside of your skate. It's with the outside of your skate. Um, you know, it's pretty clear that he was making sure that skate was going to make contact with that puck in order to make sure it went in there. And the one thing that I don't know, people really haven't been arguing is um, everyone's saying that Cody CC, you know, you know, interfered with him going to the net and all that. But if you really just look at that replay, you'll notice that Coleman actually drives his body right into CC as CC's just standing and well, skating kind of floating towards his own goalie there. And, you know, just trying to hold down that defensive coverage. Coleman's the one who drives right into CC. So he's the one initiating that contact there. And I think that's a big part of that play too. And not really talked about um, because a lot of people think that's CC who, who made him uh, his one skate there hit Mike Smith, but I don't know. I don't see it that way. And I, I agree with the call. I really do. So um, we might be the first two people to uh, have a conversation about it and both agree on the same play here. I know it's tough. Like that one's been making its rounds around social media and everything like that. All the podcasts of the panels, everyone's getting into a big argument, but yeah, I agree with you. Like there's no way that's a goal. No. And I think they got it right. And uh, obviously McDavid goes out and scores the overtime winner. And what a celebration that one was too. Eh? Did you see him in the tunnel after the little video? Him just amped going to the room. Absolutely amped. Like the guy was just buzzing. And I mean, how he obviously has to be. That is no doubt his biggest goal of his NHL career, you know, at this point. So, you know, hoping to see some more of that in the third round, of course, because, uh, yeah, McDavid, Drysettle, those guys are flying right now. I just thought it was hilarious because it's like the complete polar opposite of remember that little clip back when he was in Erie Fuck! <laughs> in the tunnel there. Yeah. What was, was that was in the playoffs, right? I don't remember if that was the playoffs or his very, like his rookie year when he was 15, they were fucking terrible. And they ended up drafting Dylan Strom like second overall. So it could have been one of those games, but oh, I that, that would make think sense. you're probably right that it was playoffs. Anyways, just just absolutely wild. Um, I'm super, super amped to see Edmonton moving on. And honestly, that building, those fans rocking way harder than those Calgary fans. Just going to say that. That's just 
you know, that's just the truth there. The best Calgary fan there was a Senators player, for Christ's sake. I know. I know, right? It'll be interesting now to see what happens. Um, I know uh, Johnny Goudreau is going to be the guy to watch for on that Calgary team. Uh, I don't know if you heard those those interviews he had the other day, but it kind of did sound like uh, he won't be returning. I don't think he's going to be a Calgary Flame anymore. Philadelphia Flyer, baby. He's going home. Flyer. Would you like him on uh, Seattle here? I would, I'd, it'd be all a game for that. Get a really, you know, high elite scoring winger, uh, you know, to maybe develop with, with some of these centermen coming up, especially Matty Beneers. I would love to have him in Seattle. I don't think he wants to go to Seattle. I think yeah, he I wants think a he, team uh, a little bit closer to a cup. Yeah. And uh, it's weird, man. We say that... We say Philly and people might be like, what? They were just, you know, hot garbage all last season. Well, uh, haven't they like missed playoffs and made playoffs miss and then made like they've gone back and forth with that for like a shit ton of years now in a row. So again, they could be another team to bounce back. They have the players to do so. It just was another real bad year from them. So we'll see if they, I mean, if they add Goudreau, I mean, they made some pretty good additions last year where I thought they were going to be some big contenders. So uh, who knows? Maybe they'll make some moves and and be able to squeeze him under their their salary cap and uh, welcome him home because he's he's near that area, is he not? Yeah, I think he is a local Philly. Like I don't know in Philly, but from around there. But yeah, they didn't even yeah. have a uh, Ryan Ellis for this year. Like he got hurt, he would have been huge for that team. Yeah, I mean Ryan Ellis is an absolute stud, and they didn't have him for most of that season. And there's a few players who had really bad years too. Looking to have some bounce backs, of course. So it'll be interesting to watch. I know there's going to be plenty of teams, uh, you know, inquiring about Johnny Hockey and uh, for good reason too, right? Absolutely. You got to have someone like that. Exactly. Well, let's move over to that second series in the West. Um, Colorado beating St. Louis 4-2. to two, So they take it in six games. And another great series, dude. Um, what did you think uh, think about this one here? Well, I thought you nailed it right on the head there, Colorado in six. So kudos to you on that one. Thank you. Appreciate it. Dunkishin. And then uh, just looking at the teams, like, I mean, even strength goals were close. Power play and penalty kill were close. This was exactly what we thought it was going to be, was a super tight series. Obviously, the thing that shifted was Bennington got injured. And then what no one's really been talking about a whole lot is Brian O'Reilly kind of disappeared the second half of that series. Like, in his first three games played, O'Reilly has 12 shots on net. Do you know how many he had in the last three games of the series? I don't, but I'll guess. Take one. Four shots. Half. He had two shots on net. He had two shots in the, in the last three, three games, games of the series. Yeah. Fucking hell. Like, that's, that's wild. They obviously made some. Captain. He's got to be hurt. Yeah, you'd think so. Um, either that or Colorado was able to make some outstanding adjustments and and stop and basically just shut that line down because uh, there wasn't, you know, all their lines weren't really clicking, right? I mean, uh, that Robert Thomas, Tarasenko, Buchnevich line, they, they were pretty quiet there for a little while. So, um, yeah, they kind of had some trouble scoring with their depth. And like you said, man, that Bennington injury just shifted everything, man. He was playing such incredible hockey for that St. Louis team. I would have loved to see 
him staying that net. But, you know, unfortunately, another bit of an accident there. And I'm not even going to sit here and blame Kadri because I just think that's just stupid because it just looked so unintentional, man. It, it, clearly, it was he wasn't play. trying to drive him. It was 100% a hockey play there. Driving the net hard. You're playing Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, shit happens. Bottom line is shit happens. Um, it, it's just unfortunate. You never want to see players get injured, especially when it's the goaltender, right? Um, but it would have been nice to be able to see Bennington finish off that the rest of that series because, man, they were close. They were close to pushing it to a game seven. I mean, they had the lead going into the third, and then, you know, Colorado did what Colorado does best, right? Um, You know, they battled through that adversity, which that team is used to doing quite a bit with all the injuries they had. And, of course, it's got to be one of these fourth-line guys that comes in clutch, Darren Helm, scoring with under five seconds left in the hockey game uh, to win it for the Avs, his first of the playoffs. So just craziness all around. Oh, I know. I related to every single fucking tweet I read where they're like, wow, I thought Darren Helm retired five years ago. I was like, hey, man, me too. <laughs> Till he took that slap shot. Yeah, I uh, I was going to look it up. Didn't get a chance, but I'd be interested to see how many goals he had in the regular season because I swear I never heard his name once. Yeah, like it definitely, like I 100% thought he was scouting for Detroit. <laughs> Nope, that's not right. He's scoring playoff goals for Colorado. Oh, my. He's doing it all. Absolute stud. That's what you need from your fourth-line guys. You're out there scouting and scoring game-winning goals to send your team to the third round of the playoffs. Not too bad. Not too shabby from Darren Helm there. Man, he had seven goals and 15 points in 68 games for Colorado this year. Wow, so so he did he did produce some man. Yeah, that's pretty good actually. Like, not bad at all. Because what did you say? Sixty eight games. Yeah, like, that's pretty yeah, good. He played a lot of games then. Wow, that's pretty good, man. Quietly. Yeah, I would have loved to quietly. see that uh, that series go seven games. There, of course, uh, did see some OT in that series too. I mean, Colorado took game one in overtime. That's when Bennington what put up fifty some saves that game he was just fucking dynamite and then, yeah, i don't think st louis yeah, had the, a shot in ot no they one. didn't no no that's right and then the blues battle back in that game five where mckinnon absolutely went off and you know scored that hat trick and then you know his third goal of course that unbelievable rush down the ice fucking nate dog is just absolutely on fire every every time the playoffs come around so you know there were some games where it wasn't as close, but uh, there was some tight games in that series too. And, you know, at the end of the day, the better team did win that series. And uh, glad to see Colorado moving on. But uh, St. Louis, man, they they definitely battled. Uh, so just unfortunate they ran into um, what I would say is the best team in the playoffs right now. Yeah, I mean, them or Tampa, spoiler alert, that's my Stanley Cup final. That's who I want to yeah. see. Let's let's just turn our tables tables blah, blah, over to the Eastern Conference here. And uh, yeah, absolutely shocked by this series. Tampa wins it in four straight against Florida. Man, I did not see this coming. What the hell happened to Florida in this series? Well, they had the same struggles that they had in the first series, but instead of it being Washington, they were playing Tampa. I mean, you can't score 
one goal on the power play through the entire series and expect to win a single game, let alone the series. Your yeah, penalty kill did okay. Up. Exactly. Like they had two even strength goals in four games. I'm just as a Pittsburgh fan, thank fuck this happened to somebody else. Now the fucking haunting of 2013 when Pittsburgh got swept and only scored three goals against Boston is gone. Suck it, Florida. Yeah, dude. I um I I didn't get a chance to watch a lot of the Eastern games in the second round. My work schedule is just crazy, working longer nights, and of course being on the West Coast, all these games are like five, five thirty starts. So by the time I'm getting off work, it's basically at the end of the game. And none of these games really went to overtime, too, so that didn't help either. But uh, Tampa, what an absolute machine after, you know, playing a tight, tight series against the Maple Leafs and going to seven games. They just walk in against Florida and absolutely skip through them like nothing. And just to see that is like, man, what are they at now? 14? Uh, well, I'm butchering this. Wait, for it, 12 series in a row now? No, 10. Oh, yeah. See, butchered it. 12 would be winning a winning cup, it. right? Yeah. 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 Good math, Tyler. Jesus. Close. But unbelievable stuff by then. I like, like, I just couldn't believe how quick it went, to be honest. Like, four games. Did anyone have Tampa sweeping? I certainly didn't. I had Tampa in six. I thought Florida. I gave Florida two games. Like, that's how many fucking even strength goals they had. Who do they think yeah, they are? Flor I mean, it's just, just ridiculous. Florida was, you know, the top scoring team in the whole league all year long. And, uh, you know, I forget where they sat, but, you know, I think since the lockout or even before that, like the 0506 lockout, um, they have like the highest goals per game rate of any team since that time. And then they score three goals in four games and they get absolutely Vasilevskied. Yeah, here's a stat for you. Yeah. The only time the Florida Panthers got shut out this season was them getting eliminated from the playoffs. Yeah, that's right. I did see that. That's <laughs> way to Oops. show up, eh? Clutch. Right? Hey, guys, the thing we've been doing all year, this is the one game we have to do it. Yeah, I can't do that. Sorry. Why not? Yeah. Because it's fucking Vasilevsky. That's why. And I'm not going to blame Brobrovsky here, but... Uh... If they want to keep on continuing as an elite team, they have to get rid of that salary. That's tonight, wasted, maybe. wasted ten million on the books there. Bobrovsky doesn't do anything for this team, in my opinion. Like you have, you have Knight, who can play just as well, if not better, and kind of prove that in the last couple playoffs. So. I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with that team. It sounds like Claude Giroux, though, wants to stay in Florida, maybe try to go for another run. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how things play out with the Florida Panthers. But, uh, you know, after winning, what, their first series since, was it like their their cup final run in 96? I think so, that, yeah. Uh, they absolutely just get dummied in the second round. Just what a waste. What an absolute waste for my uh, Stanley Cup uh, Stanley Cup winning prediction or Stanley Cup winning team prediction there. So uh, thanks a lot, Florida. My bracket is officially busted. Broken. But yeah, yeah, I mean, I was disappointed in this series, especially the Florida Tampa series we had in the first round last year. Way better. 
like way better, way more intense. A bloodbath. Yeah, I was expecting a lot more goals too, especially from Florida. What a disappointment! What a crapshoot! But uh, Durham, let's uh, let's head over to this uh, final series in the second round because the New York Rangers have a big comeback. End up winning the last two games of the series to take a seven-game series against the Carolina Hurricanes. Give me your thoughts on this one, man. Well, Carolina is just crushing my soul. I hate the Rangers so much. I've never wanted to be more wrong about a prediction than when I said the Rangers are the dark horse for the East. If they beat Tampa, I swear to God, I don't know how the hell I'm going to watch the Stanley Cup Finals. Well, I think they're about to get humbled by some real goaltending because... Uh, they've basically been been playing second and third string goalies all playoffs, and I think they've uh, lucked out and taken advantage of that. But all I can think about right now is the you know Tampa sweeping that round, and the Rangers are you know battle hardened and uh, come off with two uh, game seven wins in a row now. Uh, spirits have to be high on that that hockey that squad. And there's a stat I don't know what it is, but it's in the high. Mid to high seventy percent, I think. Where yeah, you brought it up last time. Meet, Hit it. Yeah, did I? Where the two teams meet after a series, the team that sweeps and another team that goes seven. Usually, it's the team that went seven in the previous series wins the next one. So odds are yeah. in the Rangers' favors, which kills me more. You know, almost yeah. as much as special teams killed Carolina. Here's a couple stats for you: five games of the series, they didn't score a power play goal. Brutal. You want to know how many games they scored in two games of this series? Carolina had a power play goal in two games of this series. They had a shorthanded goal. They lost the fucking series. Want to guess why? Why? Because their power play sucked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it, it was pretty crazy, actually. And the Rangers like had no offense to start this series, really. I mean, they end up scoring, I think, nine goals between games one to five. And then in game six and seven, they put up 11 goals. So their offense obviously woke up when they, they were needed the most. So uh, something to keep an eye on, definitely going into the third round for this Rangers team. So um, didn't get to see much of this series either. But, uh, you know, it was it was just wild to see that Carolina up until that last game had won all their home games, lost all their away games and then you know lose that uh game six to two the other night or last night right so um they definitely blew it but tough on them when they lost their starting goalie for all the playoffs yeah exactly i mean it's tough when you're sitting there going fuck like we can't do this with our guy in net but at the same time like did you see brindamore's comments today i didn't know what was he saying He's basically uh, said, like, yeah, we don't have an elite scorer. We don't have anyone that can do that. Should be Svechnikov, right? Like, he should be coming into that at some point. We haven't exactly seen it, but Sebastian Ajo obviously would be my pick for that type of player, but he's not in that elite status like, like other players who are still left in the playoffs, right? You look at the Rangers... You got Panarin up front, and you, you could, I guess, for this season, you could put Kreider in that conversation after he hit 50 goals, right? So um, you look look at Tampa. Obviously, they have their huge studs, um, Colorado, and then Edmonton, right? Like 
Carolina just doesn't have those types of players in their lineup. But, um, you know, beating the second round here, I was a bit shocked by it. But uh, Rangers going to the third round, man. And uh, yeah, did you have something to say uh, there before moving on? Yeah, talking about Carolina's big big guns, like here's how they finished the playoffs. Andrei Svechnikov had four goals and five points in 14 games. Yeah, in 14 games. He had zero points in game sevens and only one point in his final eight games. Aho ended with four goals and 11 points, had zero goals in game sevens and zero goals in his last five games. And Martin Nakash ended with zero goals and five points after 14 games. You're thinking, those are all forwards. What about the D? Here's Tony D'Angelo. Zero goals and two assists in his final nine games. Ooh, yeah. That's not going to get yeah, it done. Wasn't it Slavin who was killing it after after uh, round one, too? And he yeah. was, like, leading that team, which is just yeah. bonkers. Yeah, I mean, you can't have the one of the best defensive defensemen in the league be leading your team in offense. Nope. That just – you just can't have that happen, so – um, they didn't really have, uh, many guys step up to become clutch players. And I forget, I seen a stat on Cockney Emmy too, how he, he was basically useless for, for a guy you're paying $6 million to play hockey for your squad. So, um, don't know how many points he had, but it sounded like he pretty much did nothing these playoffs. Yeah. He didn't put much up, which is kind of odd considering when he was in Montreal, when he got in the lineup, like he usually only produced in the playoffs. Yeah, and he, and he he was super clutch when he got the opportunities with Montreal. He scored some big game, big goal games, right? Big game goals. Twisting up my words here, but uh, I remember he scored that game uh, in overtime, game six last year against the Leafs in first round to send them to that game seven. That was a fucking huge moment for him. Yeah, I think he was a healthy the game before that too, was he not? Like he went in and scored I the think, OT. Yeah, I think you're right, man. It's just wild, right? hockey's yeah. just wild and uh ethan bear didn't play a single game in the playoffs for for carolina that was a weird one for me like once you lose a couple like just change it up maybe Get something different like you lost seven or six on the road six in a row on the road like hey uh let's put somebody else in no kidding like mix it up a little bit so i don't know where he's at with his contract but if you're scratching the guy all playoffs, like you might as well find a way to trade him and, and, you know, hopefully Ethan Barrett can find a better situation on another team because I think he's too good of a player and, and can still be a, a steady NHL defenseman to be getting scratched all playoffs. Well, when we were talking about pickups going into the first round there, like we were talking about how good Barrett could be for that third pair for them. Yeah. Yeah, and you'd think that would be like pretty good depth for a third pair guy. So completely shocked by that, Um, you know, but it's Rob the Bod making the call. So um, how do you argue with that guy? What a what a beauty. Just you don't because he's just ripped. You just sit there and go, yes, sir. More ripped than every player on that team. And he's the coach. So his first year coaching there, he won the fitness testing. That's that's unbelievable, man. How like, how intimidating is that? Right? If you're a player and Brenda Moore wins fitness testing and then looks at you and says you need to get in the fucking gym, are you gonna say no? I'm good. You're not allowed to, or else you get choked out. <laughs> you can't do that. Pretty anymore, sure that's Bill how Peters. it goes. 
<laughs> whoa whoa we're getting sensitive now <laughs> no. anyways yeah sucks for carolina but the rangers move on let's go right into our predictions then for the third round because uh i mean it starts in about 45 minutes and uh i'm dude i'm just so fucking amped but um the rangers and tampa since we're on the eastern conference train right now uh, give me your predictions for this series man well i know before playoffs i predicted rangers as a dark horse but i haven't really wanted them to win a fucking series yet and i haven't bet against tampa yet so i'm gonna stick with both of those and i'm going with the tampa bay lightning in i don't know i want to say five and a half because i can't really decide between five and six but i'll say six games i'll say chesterkin just steals one and then maybe it's a goal fest for a game i don't know i'll go tampa in six you know you know what's crazy is uh because of where these teams finished rangers finished um in second right on their division so they get home ice advantage against tampa yeah and this is a little rematch of uh the 2015 comp uh eastern conference final i believe correct i think so yeah is that yeah, because the Rangers, they went to the Cup the year before, 2014. They went to the conference final the next season, played Tampa. Tampa won that, moved on, got beaten got beat six by, by Chicago. Chicago. So we have a bit of an interesting uh, rematch here of that 2015 Eastern Conference final. And uh, here's a little stat for you, Durham. Igor Shesterkin against the Tampa Bay Lightning this season, 3-0-0 with a 9.58 save percentage and a 1.30 goals against average. How are you? Are you trying to break my heart? No, but this it's I don't I just think this is going to be a I think it's going to be a low scoring defensive battle. I these are, you know, two top end goaltenders going at it. You got Shesterkin and and Vasilevsky. Uh I don't know, this is going to be a crazy matchup. Yeah, I'm hoping Tampa, because like everyone has watched the Rangers just get kind of decimated. They give up many chances after chances, right? Like if it weren't for Chesterkin being the second best goalie in the world, they'd have been bounced in the first round. They might have not even made playoffs. So Honestly, I'm hoping that like, yeah. Tampa is going to be able to capitalize on those opportunities because they are better than every other team in the league or East at least. I I honestly don't even know how the Rangers got to the third round. Not gonna be not gonna lie. I mean, they've just had clutch moments, and yeah, Shesterkin showed up when uh, when he absolutely needed to show up. So, you know, we get this matchup, and for some reason, I'm gonna put, pick Tampa in seven. So I have a seven. weird feeling that the Rangers have all this crazy momentum, and Shesterkin's actually gonna steal a couple games himself and uh we might see a, a weird game where uh the rangers offense just ends up exploding and having the home ice advantage i'll give a little bit of an advantage to and i'm going off uh, a little bit of what you said before the team coming off the f- the sweep heading against the team you know who's battle tested and you know playing those uh those full series and heading to seven games back-to-back times now so um, I, I still got Tampa beating him though. So Tampa in seven games is my prediction on this one. I like it. Yeah. So um, over to the West though, cannot wait to watch this, this series play out, man. 
we got the Colorado Avalanche versus the Edmonton Oilers. And we have what? Four of the top six, seven players in the NHL going at it against each other. Um, what do you expect out of this one? It's it, This should be just absolutely insane. I'm hoping it's going to be high-flying offense, open up, you know, full bore both ways. I mean, I think that's kind of when both teams are at their best. Although I think Colorado's significantly better at it than Edmonton is. So I'm hoping it's going to be a Colorado win. Like I said earlier, spoiler alert, I want Tampa and Colorado in the finals. I think Colorado's significantly deeper than Edmonton at every position. I mean, you could argue that goaltending's a little better for Edmonton right now, but I think it's just so up and down and up and down. And I don't think that they've really faced a team that has the offensive capabilities that the Avalanche have. No, I mean, I would agree with you there. I think the depth is a lot closer right now than um, maybe people are giving Edmonton credit for just with, you know, how much some of those players have stepped up for the Edmonton Oilers and, uh, you know, put up some numbers. I mean, we're talking about, obviously, they're two big studs. You know, we got Dreisaitl, we got McDavid, but, I mean, Zach Hyman, Nugent Hopkins, Evander Kane, the amount of goals he's already scored through two rounds, incredible. You know, he's looking at setting some records pretty soon here if he keeps that up. And I don't think anyone's ever hit 20 playoff goals in one season. I think 19 No, I think 19's the most. What's he at right now? 12 or 13. 12, yeah. Insane, right? He's he's scoring like a madman out there. Um, looks unbelievable. Um, and I got to give credit where it's due to uh, some of these defensemen on Edmonton, man, like Duncan Keith, Cody Cece, Evan Bouchard, like Tyson Berry's looking good. But, I mean, those guys, they're playing way above um, kind of what's expected or what they should be right now and eating a lot of big minutes out there. Um, they're going to have a hard time against Colorado. But, man, i uh not going to lie. I got Edmonton winning this series. Really? I'm picking Edmonton in seven games. I think this one goes the distance as well. Um, I just think that, you know, where where McDavid and Dreisaitl are after winning a second round like that and the amount of points and all the momentum they have, and I haven't been that impressed with Darcy Kemper, and uh, you've already seen some injuries taking place on Colorado's back end with Girard out. I just think that they're going to find a way to be able to score goals and be able to score on the power play too against this Colorado team. So I'm actually riding on the Edmonton Oilers to make it to the cup final this year. Now, like they are the team and that's who I want to see, even though I do have Colorado in my bracket going to the cup final. I, uh, going for Edmonton here. I think they're going to pull this off, man. I think they're going to shock a lot of teams, but um, Mike Smith can't be playing the same way he did against Calgary. That's for sure. He's, he's got to maybe step up a little bit more. Um, you know, we seen him rattled a couple times already, but uh, I think they hold down the fort. They have so much support, so much momentum going their way. And uh, yeah, that's my prediction, but yeah, let's toss it over to you. What do you think, man? I'm going to say McDavid and Dreisaitl can drag them to at least one maybe two wins i'm gonna go colorado in six but i think Colorado's just gonna skate the vast majority of the oilers into the ground like there are very few people on 
Calgary or LA that could play with the pace that I'd say at least half of the avalanche do like constantly picking up rebounds, cycling pucks, like offensively that team just clicks, right? Like they may not be individually every skater, the fastest guy on the ice, but as a unit, I don't think there's another team that operates as cleanly as Colorado does night in and night out. And I think that team speed is going to roll over the depth on Edmonton. Like, I think their no, depth man, guys that are totally stepping fair. up are in their top two lines. And I think I'd say every defenseman on Colorado's top two pairs would be the best or second best defenseman on Edmonton. You, you know, uh, something else though, that's a bit shocking. What? Miko Rantanen right now. Yeah. He's not putting up a lot. I think he has one goal, dude. I think he's he has one empty well the last one couple games. Empty net but... goal. Yeah, that's not good. What's happening with him? Because he is an absolute stud and he carried this team when they had injuries earlier in the year. No Landy in the lineup, no McKinnon, no, no Nate Dog or any of that. But this guy was, you know, between him and Kadri, of course, Kadri had that fucking insane first half too, getting all that extra ice time. I don't know, man. That could be a Big pivotal thing, not having him going right now, man. I I just think more of Edmonton players are 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 absolutely going off right now and uh, coming in a bit hotter than some of those Colorado players. And I do like Edmonton's depth. I think they their third line, their fourth line play like they should. But you know, similar to Colorado too. Colorado just plays with such an insane pace too. But uh, they're gonna get tested by. The, the pace that Edmonton has been playing too. So th- this series is just going to be insane, dude. I cannot wait. It starts in about 45 minutes. So yeah, just hyped, man. And I actually have Edmonton winning game one here. Yeah. I don't know who the hell is going to win game one. I'm just getting ready to watch. I'm just excited to be a fan. Yeah. And uh, you know, if you're on the betting train, like we are, uh, we got some good news for you because that uh, pursuit of that Stanley Cup is still going on right now. And DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. That's right. New customers right now can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. So if you're looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs, you can do that with DraftKings, same game parlays. You'll be able to do just that. So what you got to do is just create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It is your shot at an even bigger payout this playoffs. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So what you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, bet just $5 on any NHL team to win, P.S. Edmonton Oilers tonight, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. And Durham. The NHL playoffs wasn't the only hockey that was going on as of recently. We just had the double IHF finish up just a couple days ago where uh, Finland ends up winning a gold medal. 
What did you think? Did you catch much of the double IHF? It's always tough, you know, when it's overseas and you're up, the games just start at ridiculous times. No, I wasn't able to catch pretty much any of the tournament, unfortunately. Yeah, but uh, we did have some Seattle Kraken players playing in it. So um, just a quick little update on what happened with some of those players. Um, of course, we had Philip Grubauer, the German gentleman, and, you know, had a pretty solid outing backstop in that German team who uh, ended up reaching a quarterfinal berth, even without uh, that young superstar, Tim Stutzla, who ended up getting injured after just uh, three games, kind of had a knee injury, so he was out. But uh, Grubauer ends up playing about five games played. He went 2-3-0, and oh, so not too bad for being in that German net. And, uh, you know, had a 2.43 goals against and a 9.07 save percentage. So pretty respectable numbers there from uh, Grubauer. Yeah, especially on one of the teams that's not considered like one of your big four nations, right? Like, pretty good numbers there. Yeah, pretty solid. And uh, so kudos to him, but he wasn't the only Kraken goalie who was putting numbers uh, up on the board too. Chris Drieger, of course, picking up a silver medal with Team Canada. And, uh, you know, he ended up having a 4-2-0 record in six games, which was pretty good. And, uh, you know, he ended up getting a 1.76 goals against average with a 9.15 save percentage. And, uh, you know, wins that silver medal, of course, a bit of a heartbreaking exit for him in uh, that gold medal game too, eh? Yeah, unfortunately gets injured just after the goal on the five-on-three kill there and uh, had to leave the game, unfortunately. You know, couldn't help finish out, close it. They probably would have won with him in net. Just saying. I, I just saying, and I would have won a nice bet, but uh, no, ends up, uh, I don't know, pulled a hammy or something, ended up leaving the game. Haven't seen any update on Drieger yet, so curious to see, uh, you know, just how bad that injury is, if it's a serious one or one of those things where, you know, week to week, he would have been, you know, maybe fine if it was <laughs> NHL playoffs, would have toughed it out. Who knows, right? But, uh, you know, he wasn't the only uh, Seattle Kraken to pick up a silver medal there. Morgan Geeky ends up just picking up a goal and one assist through 10 games for Canada, but still gets that great experience being there for Team Canada and picking up a silver medal himself too. And then we had another Kraken who got to play against those two teammates in the quarterfinals, and that'd be Adam Larson, who got booted out by playing against Canada. He had one goal and one assist in eight games for the Swedes. Yeah, um, not the most offensive uh, performance from Adam Larson there, just the two points in eight games, but uh, he was a minute muncher for that Sweden team and uh, tough, tough because, I mean, it kind of just felt like whoever won that quarterfinal matchup was going to make their way to that final too. So could have been either either teammates for one of those teams, right, getting to that final game. But, uh, you know, Canada ended up pulling it out and uh, – you know, it's just great experience for those guys to be over there. But, uh, you know, there was one more Seattle Kraken player who uh, was in the tournament, and that was Carson Kuhlman, who had a hell of a tournament, putting up two goals and two assists in 10 games, which is pretty damn respectable for him. You know, a player who finished strong to this, finished strong in the season for the Seattle Kraken, of course, had some sick chemistry with uh, a couple players there especially Yanni Gord. Those two guys were just clicking, especially near the end of the season there. And pretty respectable, though, for Carson Kuhlman, a guy who got waived earlier in the NHL season, eh? 
Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what you look for is go over there and have a, like, that's exactly what he's looking for, Kuhlman, is go over, have a good showing and show that you're ready to come in and be a productive player for your NHL team come this October. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, great, great to see that happen and uh, great to see Carson Kuhlman get that experience. Yeah, I'm excited to see what he can bring next year. I hope he's on the squad because uh, I was very impressed with Carson Kuhlman. And he's just such a bulldog out there. He just gives it and gives it and gives it and kind of plays that style and plays with that tenacity that the the Kraken have kind of molded into the type of team they want to play like. So he fits he fits the team really well. Yeah, his speed certainly blended in well there with Gord. Mm-hmm. Big time. And uh, Durham, we don't have a whole lot for NHL news. Uh, that's kind of happened throughout the last two weeks. But uh, one of the big ones was uh, Vegas Golden Knights firing head coach Peter DeBoer. So um, just had to mention this one. What's your thoughts on this one? Where do you think he ends up? I thought it was dumb as shit for Vegas to fire him. Like, I don't get it. They had one kind of down year. They had a bunch of injuries and they barely missed playoffs and you can the guy. It doesn't. I don't think it makes sense to me. Not only that, but I mean, all the injuries too with uh, starting goalie Robin Leonard. Although you could, I guess, have the argument that Logan Thompson was technically putting up better numbers, but still, man, um, I don't think it was that deserving. This guy, I would be shocked if he's not coaching at least assistant coach or associate coach role on an NHL team uh, before the start of next season, eh? Yeah, I think. I mean, everything's going to depend on where Trotz goes, right? He's going to be the first domino to fall, I think, and then everyone else is going to fall after that. I think teams want Trotz to be their first choice. Oh, hot commodity. I love Barry Trotz, man. He's had such a good track record and proven record with all his coaching throughout his career, and he's shown that he could turn whatever team he's coaching into a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, with the right systems and the players seem to buy into him. So uh, wherever Trotz ends up going to be huge for that organization. But uh, Peter DeBoer is no slouch either. He has a great uh, track record as well and has been to, uh, you know, a couple Stanley cup finals already. So, you know, he's itching to get back there, of course. And uh, any teams out there you think who, who he might end up with? I don't know. I kind of like Winnipeg, you know, a team that, is right on the cusp of pushing for something. They need kind of just a new voice in the room. DeBoer's had success with both young players and veterans and kind of both in between as well. I think there could be a match there. I like that, actually. I like that a lot. Um, Yeah, I could definitely see that because I don't know if Winnipeg's going to be lucky enough to add trots, but you got to think if they don't land him, DeBoer's going to be right there on the top of their list, right? Yeah, I think he'd be high up on teams' lists. Usually yeah, has success yeah. in his first year, if I'm remembering correctly, with San Jose and Vegas. Yep, and uh, I believe he was coach of uh, the New Jersey Devils as well when they went to the finals back in, in uh, 2012. So, you know, he, he has that experience and he knows how to lead a team uh, through a deep playoff run. So, you know, when you have that on your resume, that is a, a delicacy, right? That is big time. Exactly. Um, but Durham, why don't we move on to uh, our big uh, top 16 mock draft? And uh, why don't you get us started with uh, who you got going first overall 
in the NHL draft this year, the 2022 NHL draft? Well, starting at number one, you know, Montreal won the lottery there, and I think they're going to stick with uh, the centerman that they've been clamoring for for the last who knows how many years, right? That's all you ever hear from their fans is, we need a centerman, we need a centerman. Well, now Montreal is going to get the centerman their fans have been dying for. And if he turns out anything close to what he's been, you know, compared to 37 in black and gold that tortured them for years, I'm sure their fans will probably (laughs) still find a way to not be happy about it. Yeah, I think that would be his uh, top ceiling for Shane Wright. I don't know what kind of uh, offensive ceiling he's going to have, but I think he's going to be a very, very good two-way centerman in the NHL and one who could put up goals. So it's hard, man. I only have two possible players going in this spot, but I think Shane Wright, ultimately, how do you not take the centerman, right? Especially, like you said, an organization like Montreal who's, All you hear about is them trying to find that true number one center. This guy can be that number one center for Montreal. Yeah, I think that's where it's going to go. And then that two, New Jersey is going to take Slepkovsky. You know, they're going to get the dominant power forward winger to grow with that sick forward core they've got together there. You know, Hughes, Holtz, Heeshear, Mercer, Bratt, they're all 23 and under. They're going to add Girage to that. He had a strong second half of the year in the Liga, and he was second best scoring for an under-18 in the World's Men's Championship. So not bad. You know, he's got a great pro game already, and I think he's going to make an impact next season. Yeah, he's shown that he can excel against the older competition in in the Liga, like you said, and the Olympics. Like, uh, he was named the most valuable player in the Olympics uh, as a 17-year-old. You know, of course, it wasn't the best players, but the fact that he's already shown that and he's he's a physical specimen, 6'4", 218, big fucking body. And like you said, he's going to be playing either with Hughes, Heischer, Mercer. Like He's got skilled guys down the middle that he's going to be lining up with no matter what. And just imagine what this guy can do with Jack Hughes for the next 10 years. Oh my God, how do you not take him? Man, imagine him on the left wing and Holtz on the right wing. Like that's a line yeah. that just sounds like everyone's skill set and style of play blends together. That honestly sounds like a line that one day all three of them will will hit the hundred point mark in the same year. Like hundred points, sixty goals for Holtz. That's the potential they have there. I mean, that is just absolutely disgusting amount of talent, and you get a good mix of players there i mean you got hughes the the natural i mean playmaker amazing you you know centerman there who you're already starting to see the way his game is growing and he's you can already tell he's going to be a big point player you know as soon as next year possibly and then holtz is just that natural sniper and then slavkovsky on the left wing that big body guy who could you know do the dirty work but again score goals and and make plays so if if that turns out to be your number one line, that makes for such a such a good number one line there. They have a good mix of everything on that line. And then your second line has Heesher and Brat on it. Like, pardon me. Yeah, like Avec Parquois. Yeah, poof, just crazy, right? They're going to be an exciting team one day. And I, I feel like we keep saying that, but they're just loading in the prospects, man. And like you said, adding Hughes to that back end too. Holy, that's going to be an exciting New Jersey Devils team. Exactly. 
Moving on to three, you know, Arizona Coyotes. I got them taking Logan Cooley, kid who's got all the tools to be the most dynamic player the Yotes have ever drafted. If he and Genther can develop some chemistry, they could have a great offensive duo there and someone to, you know, fire the puck into the net when Cooley's setting them up. And it's kind of nice of them to draft a college kid. You know, he won't have much of a culture shock when he comes to ASU in a couple of years. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, slated to play at least one season with the University of Minnesota next year. And uh, that's going to be a lot more exciting, a lot more of an exciting building to be playing in than uh, whatever Arizona is going to be playing in. Right. They can't even they don't even have their own um, symbol at center ice playing at ASU. So how embarrassing is that for Arizona? But you know what's not embarrassing is drafting this guy third overall. Man, Logan Cooley is going to be in just an absolute high end stud just brings all the offense elite skater strong work ethic too from this guy 510 174 so he a bit on the smaller side but with how dynamic he is and the, his ability to process the game at such a high speed that's not going to be too much of an issue for this kid no i think he's going to do great at the nhl level he'll figure it out 10 points in uh six games at the under 18s too uh you know, that, that was a pretty good showing for the kid there, too. And, uh, yeah, you just can't go wrong. The, honestly, any of these top three picks, you just you can't go wrong with. And then moving on to number four, your Seattle Kraken, baby. I have us taking potential franchise defenseman Simon Nemec. You know, I think he's kind of Roman Yossi-like, but maybe a little bit more effective in his own end if it all pans out. He had one of the best playoffs of NED ever in the Slovakian league. He had a great showing at the Worlds as well. And, you know, I think this could be the guy to run the offense from our blue line. Yeah, and uh, he's that exact defenseman they need, right? That right shot defenseman. Outstanding two-way game. There is times where I, I'd like to see more physicality instead of, you know, swiping a stick at, at pucks on the defensive end. But that's you know, that's still just him growing his game, right? He's got a lot of time to to continue to make those right plays defensively. And what you're getting out of offensively and his his skating is extremely well. And we've seen that with all these elite defensemen coming in is uh, their ability to control the game with, with their feet, really. And, and not only, you know, make that first pass, but to be able to skate out of your own zone while still being strong in your defensive zone, um, you know, he, he does bring kind of that whole package and you got Matty Beneers anchoring their forward group, right? So why not add that potential franchise defenseman and, you know, between him or David Yurasek, I don't think you can go wrong between the two in this situation, but I think with the potential that Simon Nemec has or Nemec, sorry, has uh, to bring that offense and click there, as well as being a stud defensively. I mean, you can't go wrong with this pick, right? No, I don't think you can go wrong with either player that you take here. If they do go D mm. who, you know, the other D is the guy I've got going fifth to Philadelphia, right? Like I think with the uncertainty of age and injury with both Ellis and Risto Linen, not to mention there seems to be a bit of a dark cloud surrounding Provorov in Philadelphia this year. And all of a sudden now the flyers need someone to be the cornerstone of their back end. So I'm thinking hopefully Yurasek and York can provide some stability there. And I think they would lean towards him. 
Yeah, so basically snatching up whoever's left over out of Urasek or uh, Nemich there. So yeah. I like that for Philadelphia at five. And the one thing too is, uh, you know, he had that nasty knee injury that required surgery um, that he took, <clears throat> I believe in the World Juniors, right, David Urasek? Yeah. And uh, so he, you know, lost a bit of time because of that. But, you know, again, another right-handed shot defenseman and they're a hot commodity, man, those right shot defensemen then. This guy plays a pretty mature game. He can, uh, you know, transition the puck pretty well. And, uh, you know, he put up, he, he knows how to score from the back end. He's got an unbelievable shot. And he returned to the Czech's top league there. Uh, you know, when he came back from injury, he ended up putting up 11 points in 29 games when he came back. And, you know, five goals and six assists. So this guy's got an absolute bomb from the point. And um, he does play with his size quite well and knows how to throw some big body checks. So um, I love both of these defensemen and I think they're going to be, they're both going to be unbelievable defensemen. And, you know, I do think Nemich does have a bit more of that franchise uh, ability, but you can't go wrong here with David Yurisek either. Yeah, exactly. I think if you walk out of the draft with either of those D you're happy. Yeah, I agree. Completely agree there. So who do we have at number six? Well, in the draft, I think it's kind of being set that there's a top six in terms of players. And you know how much I love Matt Savoy, but I think, unfortunately, especially due to the injury that he had in the playoffs there for Winnipeg, I think he's going to drop a little bit. So the final of these six guys, I've got Joachim Kemmel. I think he's going to fall to Columbus here, and they're going to take an offensive winger with who and a guy who's got a bit of grit to his game too. Like He's not just out there to skate around and only play with the puck. He'll hit you to go get the puck. I think he's going to fit great in their top six with line A, Sillinger, Johnson. You know, I think he's going to be a good core to grow with. Yeah, I love this pick. I mean, you think of another uh, another sniper, right? Plays the right wing, uh, especially if you have a bit of uncertainty with what's going to happen with line A. Well, here's a finished sniper who uh, can easily replace that if if possible, right? So. You know, he's shown he could absolutely put up numbers and yeah, you don't come across too many guys who uh, have put up this type of these types of numbers in the Finland top league there in the league of 15 goals in 39 games and, uh, you know, produced two for Finland at the under 18s. He had uh, eight points, six of those being goals again. So uh, this guy's a natural sniper but has a pretty good two-way game. So, um, yeah, it would be great to add that, especially like you said, with the depth that they have down the middle already, why not uh, why not draft uh, what could potentially be the best player available for them in this position? Yeah, and I agree completely with that. And then we're going to move on to uh, your Ottawa Senators here at seven. And uh, yeah, so I'm, who do you I'm got? Interested, I was going to say I'm interested to see who do you think they're going to take. Um, I'm split. I think there's a good chance that. Uh, uh, could be a chance Minnesota's making this pick. <laughs> so I'm just going to throw that out there as a possibility. Yep. I do. I'm, I'm 50, 50% uh, right now, whether Ottawa ends up trading it or they keep the pick. I really think they're going to try their best to trade it, to find some, um, you know, some help in their top six, find somebody who uh, it sounds like they want somebody who's fairly young, they can get with a long-term deal. And if uh, it's one of those situations where they could sign, you know, a trade and sign or a sign and trade with Fiala, 
I think they would pull that off and make it happen. But if they do end up keeping this pick, I, I love Cutter Gauthier here for, uh, for Ottawa. I think he fits that same mold that um, they've kind of drafted for in recent years. You know, his, uh, his skating is really good. His, his shot is already NHL caliber and he's a guy who's been moving up the ranks and, you know, another guy out of the NTDP program there for the States. And he's that power forward type build six two one eighty nine, 189. And he knows how to get around the net. And, uh, uh, yeah, apparently he's already got, got that NHL strength coach going for him. So, uh, I love this type of pick for Ottawa. Uh, I think it fits their their mold exactly, and and he's committed to playing at the Boston College as well. So, uh, a guy who will take a year, maybe two there, and, and develop. But uh, yeah, this, I'm excited about Cutter Gauthier. He he looks like a legit power forward who can produce. Man, it's almost like you just read my blurb. That's exactly who I've got them taking is Cutter Gauthier as well. If they do make the selection. And the first line that I have here goes, Goche is a versatile, play- versatile player with size from the USNTDP. So that's all the Senators scouting department needs to see, <laughs> which is basically what you said at the start too. So the one thing that's missing it. is, uh, I don't know if he has any NHL roots or any dads you played in the NHL. So oh, right. that's the only the blood thing, lines. the bloodlines, right? Damn that's it. missing, but this makes sense. It just makes sense. And I think they could go this route. Of course, it's going to depend on how that uh, the top six plays out. Maybe they do go for a more skilled guy if Kemmel's available, or they take a shot at another centerman or you know a guy who they think might end up playing on the wing, Savoy. I don't know. But I do think Gauthier is that type of player that just fits their mold. And uh, yeah, I'd be happy with that pick for sure. I think I would be too. And we're going to move on to Detroit here at eight. I've got them taking Marco Casper. I think Detroit needs a centerman, and Casper's been tearing it up in the second half of the year in the SHL, everybody. The fucking SHL, by the way, is a hell of a league, for those that don't know. He's yeah, been doing uh, arguably the, the second best in the world. So Exactly. And he's 17 years old and just crushing it out there. And uh, Detroit scout... Shit, I'm brain farting on his name again. We just talked about it before the podcast, too. Oh, uh, Chris Draper. Thank you. Chris Draper has apparently been out to see him a lot recently. So, you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. He's a solid two-way presence. I don't think he'll exactly light it up offensively, but he does have the brains to figure out how to still be an effective offensive player. So I think you're looking at a guy who, if he hits his potential, is going to be like a 1B probably that's going to be good in his own end and can contribute 70 points. Yeah. And we talk about another guy here who's been shooting up the rankings as well and kind of gives me vibes of uh, that 2019 draft when uh, Stevie Y stepped up and absolutely shocked people by taking Murray Sider at what was it? Sixth overall. Yeah. So uh, Marco Casper, uh, he's not ranked as high as you have him. Uh, really uh among you know some of these mock drafts but like we said he's a guy who's been going up and 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 climbing those rankings and i would not be shocked at all to see stevie Y follow that trend and take a guy who uh is a little bit higher than what he's kind of been ranked uh because it seems to work out for him because he knows what's going on and like you said 
Chris Draper going out to see the guy, uh, that definitely has me convinced that could definitely, that could happen. He's got a high compete level. Like you said, great work ethic. Uh, he's a, he's a leader. He's capable of playing center or the wing six foot one, one eighty three. He's got fairly good size. Ended up scoring six points in 12 games to help uh, Rogel uh, to its first ever Champions League hockey title there uh, after they beat uh, Tapara out of the league in a 2-1 win too. So, um, you know, this guy showed that he could produce and, you know, six points in 12 games playing in the Champions Hockey League, uh, pretty impressive stuff. So uh, Marco Casper looks like a hell of a player. Yeah, I think he's going to fit exactly what Detroit needs there. And I think Stevie Wide knows how to develop his prospects. As we've seen, his big guns coming through, they come through hot, right? And yeah, he's not afraid of letting them just, uh, you know, sit in the HL or sit in the uh, the European leagues and, uh, you know, just just slowly bake into this beautiful fucking piece of cake because that, that's, uh, that's their style in Detroit. They, they have no problem, uh, uh, you know, letting these prospects really hone their game before rushing them into NHL situations. So um, CBY has no problem letting this guy, you know, maybe play a couple more years before he ends up in an NHL sweater. But uh, this would be a great pick for them. Exactly. Detroit's never been a team to throw their kids to the wolves. Instead, they grow them into bigger wolves. Exactly. So moving right along here, uh, who do we got at, uh, what is it, number nine now? Yep, number nine. We're going Buffalo and Finally, I'm going to stop seeing Matt Savoy fall because he's going to be taken here. I think Buffalo's loading up with skill up front, and this is going to be the cherry on top. Savoy's a dynamic player with the puck. He's both a threat to score and be a playmaker in the offensive zone, and I think he could really flourish in Buffalo playing with the likes of Cousins, Krebs, Quinn, Power, Darlene, Paterka. I mean, woof. Look out for the Sabres in the next few years if this all hits. Yeah, you're picking just a super speedy, very skilled young forward in Savoy. And he's only 5'9", 175 pounds, but they do have some bigger bodies up front. And uh, I think he might be the fastest skater in this 2022 draft class, to be fair. And right right here with this pick, um, I think you're absolutely stoked if you're Buffalo. You're just picking best player available. And at this point, it has to be Matt Savoy, just based on his skill set alone. And uh, I think teams are realizing that it's okay to draft these smaller guys because uh, they 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 know how to produce, right? And he's got a high hockey IQ. So I'm not even worried about him not being able to put up numbers at the next level. So you just put him, put him in those right situations. He's going to have some elite players to play with. So that's just uh, that's just a win-win pick right there for Buffalo. Yeah, I think it's going to be great for everybody when that selection's made. Not if, when. Yeah. When. Ooh, I like it. Like the confidence antlers. Going with it. Going with it. And at 10, the Anaheim Ducks, they're going to be going with LeCaramacchi. I mean, after Troy Terry, there's not really another winger in Anaheim that can produce at a first-line rate. I'm sure someone's going to argue Sonny Milano, but yeah, we'll see. He had like 35 points this year. Let's hold that horse. Enter LeCaramacchi, a creative player with the puck who will have lots of time to make plays if he lines up with fellow up-and-coming duck Mason McTavish, too. I mean, there could be a lot of skill blending up there. That power play could eventually run. He could shoot the puck okay well. He did well for Sweden at the under-18s, if I'm remembering correctly. I think he led them in points. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, think a good kid. 
yeah, this would be a great pick for Anaheim here. Um, you, you're starting to really fill out your your top six. I think if you take a guy here who uh, plays the right wing, I mean, if you're looking at duos, right? Um, you kind of like you said that Sonny Milano and um, shit, I'm blanking. Zegris. Yeah, you got that duo, and then you look at you know what could potentially be on your second line. Well, you got Mason McTavish. And then you can add Johnny Jonathan LaCarrie Mackey, a pure sniper who plays a two-way game. Uh, he's got good hands. He's got explosiveness. Um, he he ended up leading the world under 18s with 15 points and and uh, 10 of those being assists for uh, uh, a Sweden team who ended up getting first place. So uh, and again, he's produced in uh, in the Swedish Hockey League too for Durgard. And like you said, seven goals, two assists in 26 games. And uh, yeah, th- this guy would be a great pick and uh, somebody who they could definitely fill out on that right wing side. Yeah, I think there's a fit there because I'm thinking. I want to say there's a trend where Anaheim, I mean, obviously it's a new GM, so it could be a new how they're going to draft, but I want to say there is a little bit there where they took Swedes for a while. But I could just be crazy. Especially, no, no, especially mid to late, like those 2020 to the end there, like they they had picked some uh, Swedish guys in in that range there for a number of years under... uh, well, I guess Bob Murray at the time, right? So um, I, let's go with it. They're going to stay with that Swedish trend. I like it. I like that pick there. Because uh, this is a guy who, you know, is potentially in that top six, top seven range too. Yeah, like it wouldn't shock me at all if he goes earlier than Anaheim. Yeah, no, neither, neither. It wouldn't shock me either. So now at 11, now that we finished the top 10, I got San Jose. I think they're going to go with Kevin Korchinski. You know, with the Ryan Merkley experiment not exactly working out yet, San Jose needs to find some offensive D to be coming through the system, especially with Carlson and Burns both on the wrong side of 35. Korchinski needs to iron out his own zone, but he does have the willingness to commit and learn. He's a fantastic skater who put up great numbers in the playoffs for a 17-year-old D out in the dub, too. Yeah, no kidding. Like you said, high-end offensive defenseman. Uh, this is a guy who could generate scoring chances in all situations and put up 65 points in 67 regular season games. And uh, he's also the first WHL defenseman since uh, Daryl Sador with the Kamloops in 1989-1990 uh, to have at least 60 assists in uh, in their first year of NHL draft eligibility. So, you know, he's proven he had a great year with Seattle and WHL. And uh, yeah, this looks like a solid pick. He's 6'2", 185, has some size. Like you said, he's got to hone that defensive side, but you got to be pretty psyched to see what you already have on the offensive side. Like you said, as well, San Jose's D, they're aging, especially, you know, those Carlson Burns. So, you know, why not uh, bring in that new, uh, you know, young offensive defenseman who uh, who's going to be the future of that team, potentially. And then Columbus here with their second pick of the draft. This was the first one that really had me kind of like, fuck, who, I don't really yeah. know who they're going to take. Eventually, I settled on them taking Connor Geeky. It wouldn't shock me at all if they went with a D here. And if they did, I think it'd be Matejchuk. But I went with Geeky, you know, being a towering centerman. He's got a soft touch with the puck, and he's kind of still figuring out how to use his frame dominantly game in and game out. But if Columbus can help him figure this out, and 
I think one of Sillinger or Johnson is going to be on the wing. I do think it's going to be more Johnson. He didn't take a whole lot of face-offs in Michigan. I don't think he took one in his nine games with Columbus at the end of the year. I think he's going to be permanently a winger. So there is a bit of a, there could be a spot where they need a centerman to come up and Mm -hmm. that would make them a serious threat in the metropolitan division, them in New Jersey in the next few years. Obviously the Rangers are starting to come up now. Yeah, no, I like that either him or Denton Matejchuk there. I could definitely see that. And yeah, obviously, uh, yeah, younger brother to, you know, fellow Seattle Kraken, Morgan Geeky, of course, 6'3", 196. So he's got that uh, size to him. He's uh, hard to contain out there. Pretty competitive player. Um, pretty good in, in tight corners. Shifty player like that. 70 points in 63 regular season games uh, with Winnipeg, of course. Um, you know, playing with uh, fellow NHL draftee um, Matt Savoy there. So, um, yeah, it. To me, I'm not sure where Geeky's going to land. Uh, I, I think it's going to be around this spot, though. So I think you're you're pretty close to what could happen here. But this is kind of that part of the draft where, you know, Crazy random shit stuff happens. happens. Exactly. And, yeah, it, it's one of those things where you're not exactly sure. But Geeky going here, I could see it happening. Yep. And then uh, 13 here. We got the Islanders, and I've got them taking new head coach Lane Lambert's nephew, Brad Lambert. Not just a cop-out because it's his new head coach. Honestly, I don't think Lou gives a fuck. And sure, Lambert's a bit of a polarizing prospect. You know, some teams have him in their top 10. Others have him in their late first or even second round. I think he was on Buttons list in the second round there. But, uh, you know, he's got the speed and offense to bring you out of your seat and be productive but he needs help with the consistency kind of keeping the IQ focused has been one of the rumors going around. And do you know anyone on the Islanders that knows how to use their speed and offense consistently that could possibly help him with that? Matty Barzell. Matty Barzell. Well, I think there could be a bit of a teaching moment there. Maybe push Barzell into a bit more of a leadership role as well. And uh, it, like you said, this is a guy who, you remember he was like a lock for a top five pick a couple yeah. of years ago, played unbelievable as a 16 year old or fifth, you know, that 15, 16 year old, lots of hype between, uh, around, uh, this guy. And he's kind of got dual citizenship too. He's a, you know, fairly Canadian, but born in Finland, I believe, whatever it was, he was, you know, mixed up between the two. Right. And, uh, I like it going to the Islanders here. And um, it kind of reminds me of how the Islanders only had that second round pick the other year and reached, well, didn't really reach, but finally picked Atu Ratty. And that's looking like a great pick. And they might go in the same direction here. Pick a guy who's you know, seems to be falling off the draft board a little bit. But I mean, look at what he did in those few games in the world juniors and how electric he looked. I mean, um, there's an argument to be made that he at that time before COVID, um, you know, fucked up some more hockey, uh, for the world junior championships that he was the best player in that tournament, uh, before it got canceled officially. And, uh, you got to think there's going to be scouts out there salivating over what they seen there. Um, but like you said, he has to find a way to find consistency in his game, um, in order to, solidify himself as like a top 15 pick in this draft. So um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes, but uh, I do like that fit. 
yeah, I think he could he could go in the top 10 and he could go right at the end of the first round and obviously anywhere in between. I can't see him slipping into the second though. I think there's just too much, <clears throat> too much potential there, but imagine if him and Raddy, Addy Raddy, like they ended up working out and could very well become the Islanders, to, uh, like two of the Islanders top players up front. Yeah. I think that would be great for them. Lou would just be laughing. Yeah. If he's still alive by then. Oh, fair point. Fair point. <laughs> Islanders fans are pissed. He fired trots, but whatever. They'll get over it. <laughs> All right. Moving on here. What pick are we on now? We are at Winnipeg. Winnipeg right? Yep. Yeah. And uh, I may have mentioned earlier defenseman Dent- Denton Matejchuk. Well, if he doesn't go to Columbus at 12, he's going to Winnipeg at 14. Because I think Winnipeg's going to take local hard-nosed defender to fix their blue line problems. You know, he's born not too far from Winnipeg. I think Matejchuk's a steady two-way D, and he's going to kind of solidify the blue line for the Jets. He's someone you don't want to go into corner into corners with, and I could see him flourishing into a penalty-killing top-four D who might get second power play time. Yeah, this guy looks like a solid top-four D. Um yeah, and you think about it, the Jets have focused on the offense in the past couple years in the first round, right? So uh, why not look to add to that offense? But uh, on the defensive side, I mean, Matejchuk still put up some pretty good numbers this year. He was third on Moose Jaw with 64 points in 65 games, so point-a-game player there. Um, and just just looked pretty good. Had eight points in eight playoff games as well, so uh, still held on to that point-per-game status even through uh, just the eight games he played in the playoffs, but another strong skater and looks to join the rush quite a bit, and like you said, not a guy that uh, you want to be going into the corners to. He has some uh, toughness to his game, and uh, that also kind of seems to fit that Winnipeg Jets mold, so uh, I love the pick here. If only Big Buff was still around to teach him how to play it in the NHL. <laughs> yeah, very true. He's just too busy fishing and doing whatever else he does. Just living his life. Up enjoying the life. Yeah, well, not quite because he could have still been in the NHL. So, All right, but up to his living fullest. life. His fullest. Yeah, fair. All right, we got Vancouver here at 15, and they're going to go with Frank Nazar. I think Vancouver needs to take fucking anything and everything, so they're going to go straight up BPA here. I think they're going to go Nazar, who's a guy who, due to his IQ, is almost guaranteed to be a top nine forward for your team, but one who has the potential to be a fantastic top six guy for you as well. He can become a jack of jack of all trades and give you the give you the game your team needs to win that night. Yeah, you bring up Frank Frank Nazar here. He's, uh, I mean, I wouldn't say a totally small guy, only 5'10", 175, but uh, I'm not going to lie. I love this player. Absolute Swiss Army knife and uh, high, super high hockey IQ. Durham, I think this guy has a potential to uh, sneak right into the top 10 here um, and go as high as uh, around 6, 7, 8 range. Um, I don't know what it is, but I love Frank Nazar, man. He, he's got ability to just high compete, high compete level, right? Uh, he loves to win battles along the board, so he's not afraid, even as a smaller guy, to get uh, right into the mix of things. He's really hard to to handle in the faceoff dot too. He, he's very good at winning faceoffs, and yeah, his high hockey IQ is gonna help him, uh, you know, be able to play the game properly on the defensive side too, and uh, help start 
the the transition in his own end. And I don't know what it is. I love Frank Nazar. I think uh, this guy's going to be a stud. Yeah, I think he's going to be a great pick for whoever eventually takes him. Mm-hmm. Kind of a guy who yeah. will figure out whatever game he needs to succeed in the NHL. Yep, big time. And then with our final pick here of the top 16, Buffalo has their second round or second of the round, not second round pick. That'd be fucking nutty. But uh, <laughs> they're going to take Danila Yurov with their second pick. They're going to take the first wild card of the draft. No one really knows where the Russian players who are being like overseas in Russia right now are going to be picked. But based on talent alone, the Sabres get a steal here as Yurov is deserving of a top 10 spot at least. And having multiple selections in the first affords Buffalo the chance to just swing for the fences here. Yeah, and that's typically what you would see from a team who uh, has a second pick uh, in the first round. They they definitely go more for a swing. And like you say, you know, take one of those wildcard players. And um, it's going to be interesting, too, to see the whole Russian-born player work how how that situation is going to work out um i think you you sent a an a russian article to the group chat uh saying how you know there's potentially teams who i don't know if it's confirmed or not it was kind of weird one team already refuted it but i mean i don't think they're ever going to come out and straight up say just yeah we're not going to draft them yeah, I don't I don't know if like these some teams are like, oh, you're Russian, we're not gonna draft you for what's going on right now. I just it it doesn't make sense. They're not part of that situation. They can't choose where you're born, right? Um, might come down to um when the scouting combine comes and you're able to, you know, have those player meetings and all of that. But uh, tell us a little bit more about Yurov here. What what can we expect? Well, he's a pretty speedy kid, you know, great hands, good shooter. He's He brings a lot of the offense. That's what I meant kind of with, like, on skill alone. Like, this kid is a top 10 talent. He's always been very productive for his teams whenever he's got a chance to play, you know, obviously in Russia and internationally as well. He hasn't had the chance internationally in the last little bit due to what's going on over in Russia and Ukraine, mm-hmm. unfortunately. So, like you said, there's going to be a lot of, stigma around drafting these kids just because of will they be able to get a work visa like will they be able to leave russia yeah yeah so it becomes one of those weird situations but um i would be shocked if uh buffalo didn't you know obviously depending on their first pick and how that goes but uh this is a situation where you have a a handful of different defensemen who will be left who uh you could potentially take a chance at and and draft so um, I think it would be wise for them to take a D here uh, and, you know, look at the pieces you have up front, keep building that defensive end or that back end. And uh, another name out there is uh lion or Leon Bichelle, who is another big D. Uh, he's a Switzerland born defenseman, six, five, two sixteen, moves well for his size. Um, you know, aggressive in battles around the net um, and, you know, played in the Swedish hockey league this year. Only averaged uh, just under 12 minutes in 29 games, but uh, still managed three points. Nothing too too crazy, but again, these young guys just don't get the ice time in that league. But he already has that uh, experience in the men's league, and and maybe that's a guy they take a chance on too with that size. 
six five you're already building a huge back end with uh owen power so uh this is going to be a pick where buffalo's you know gonna be able to like you said take a wild card pick or you know take something that isn't necessarily best player available but uh might suit their team best if if uh if they pick somebody who they think they could you know get into the mix in the right situation fill some holes yeah, you mentioned a D for Buffalo there, and I just have three players up for like honorable mentions. Obviously not in any preference order, just three players and two of them being defensemen. I got Mentiakov, Pickering, and then Kulik for the forward. Oh, yeah. I mean, Owen Pickering, that would be a solid pick. Mentiakov is an interesting one, too. Is I'm trying to remember at the top of my head, is he currently playing in the O? Yeah, he plays for Saginaw. I think he I led so, them yeah. in points or was close. I actually I think he led Saginaw in points. Like 67 or something like that. That's pretty impressive. So Yeah, he's yeah, definitely an offensive player, but it's uh apparently a bit of a wild card in his own end. Oh yeah. So maybe a bit of a project in that sense. Yep. Yeah, that's fair. But uh man um by the way the uh the game has started we're about eight minutes into uh game one little update here um it's one one hope i'm not spoiling it for you but uh you know both teams have two shots on net evander kane opened up the scoring with his 13th of the year assisted by hopkins and yamamoto and uh jt confer with his third of the playoffs sorry i meant 13th of the playoffs not 13th yeah. of the year stupid me but uh jt confer with his third ends up tying the game right up um looked like it was about 30 34 or 36 seconds after so um yeah this one's getting interesting already one one game uh not a lot of shots so far so yeah anything else you want to add to the pod no i'm uh i'm good there i think i'm just excited to watch round three Give me some fucking great playoff hockey and get me to the draft. No, dude. Yeah. Give me some. I'm pumped. You know, just got done that huge work week. So watch some hockey right away when we get off here. And then tomorrow got a nice little trip out the Banff. A uh, little surprise from uh, one of my coworkers here. Shout out Ryan Webb, who, uh, you know, turns 31. Uh, we have a surprise trip to uh, the Banff Springs golf course. And uh, he's going to get to play 18 uh, with me and a couple other other buddies of his uh, from that area. And, you know, he's a guy from the UK who we've turned into a huge hockey fan. So uh, I'm just absolutely stoked to get out there tomorrow, hit the links there, crush a bunch of beers and play one of the most beautiful courses you can ever find in the world. So I'm um, absolutely stoked for that, man. Yeah, that sounds like a hell of a time. I mean, shit, like happy birthday, Webby. Have a great one. Try not to lose all your balls. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be tough. We are not uh, that good. So uh, we're going to lose a few. But apparently uh, his buddies hooked, it, hooked us up pretty good. And uh, we don't even have to pay for balls or anything. He's just going to hook us up uh, with a pretty sweet deal. So I'm pretty stoked for that. And, you know, head out for the night, get some drinks, and uh, see where the night takes us. So pretty stoked for that, man. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a hell of a time. Cool. And with that, yeah, we're going to wrap things up here, Durham. Um, 
next week we'll be able to get into uh, some trophy winner predictions for uh, you know all the trophies out there. You know the Norris, the Vesna, Calder, Hart, Ted Lindsay, Bill Masterton, um, the Franks, Frank J. Selke, the Lady Bing, the Jack Adams, the King Clancy. So we're gonna have our predictions for all of those awards, and so I'm looking forward to that, man. It's a great episode, uh, but I think it's time to get the puck out of here, Durham. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to episode 34. Join us in two weeks as we will break down the third round of playoff hockey and, of course, keep you up to date with all NHL news and all things Kraken. So have a great couple of weeks, everyone, and peace out, Kraken Nation. Kraken Nation.